This is the Firearms Trainers Podcast, Season 3, Episode 1, published on March 7th, 2022. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our topic today is Walk the Talk America. Podcast is part of ConsolCarry.com Network, brought to you by XS Sites, the best sites in any light. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at FTAProtect.com and learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Any certified instructor can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, receive a special 10% off in your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the ConcealCarry.com Firearm Instructor Network. ConcealCarry.com is always looking for quality firearm instructors across the country to join the network. As a network instructor, you can take advantage of ConcealCarry.com's advertising platform to fill your classes. Visit class.concealedcarry.com and click on instructor to learn more and see if it would be a good fit for you. Again, visit class.concealedcarry.com for more information. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we are joined by Michael Sedoni from Walk and Talk America. Welcome, Michael. How are things going for you today? It's good to see you. Um, Thanks for having me back and things are going great. I, I'm, you know, really blessed. So, yeah, I've been listening to you on a few other podcasts and realized we haven't had you on in well over a year. I think it's been a year and a half and you've been doing quite a bit of stuff during that time frame, which I'm really glad to see because, uh, you know, talking about, you know, mental health and the gun industry and things like that are normally something that nobody else talks about besides you. And I'm glad to have you on to educate our instructors on what's going on with Walk to Talk America. And I appreciate you. Every time it's been a pleasure, you know, and then thank you for uh, supporting the mission. And, and once again, having me back on to talk about the things that happened in between those times is great. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, Michael, tell us one thing that kind of just blew me away on the last podcast I heard you on. But tell us about your White House visit, because not too many people I know get invited to the White House, to say the least, to be able to you know, talk about something that's near and dear to their heart. And you got invited to the White House to talk about Walk Talk America, which is, you know, something really shows that you're kind of hitting a stride, you know, from a national perspective and getting noticed politically. Yeah. So, you know, I had been uh, contacted out of the blue. I, I'm still to this day. I still don't know how I got on the list. Like when I got to the White House and I was talking to all the people that were in charge there, um, and I kept asking, like, how did you how did you find me or why am I here? Right. Because it was all these researchers and some of the most brilliant people that work in uh, mental health and suicide prevention. And then there's me, right? <laughs> Mike Sedini <laughs> from the gun industry. Um, so it was a, a very surreal experience. But I, I still don't know how I got on the list there. But, you know, um, at some point, someone there must have come across the organization or saw me speak at another event or something like that. But um you know, I was just, I always tell people this. I thought it was a joke at first because I thought, okay, what a be- what a better way for one of my friends to play a jo- uh, prank. And they kept calling me Dr. Sedini. And, you know, <laughs> I let that go for a few emails. But then once I realized it was an actual real invite um, and I had to go through the process of going, you know, uh, taking their ethics, their little ethics exam to make sure that I understood what's expected of me and then getting the official invite from the White House. Very cool moment from me and my daughters, right? Because like I remember showing my daughters the official invite where I was like, don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do anything because your dad's going to the White House, right? But uh, yeah, the, the whole concept was basically 
how do we help? It's the, it was the Veterans uh, Prevent Suicide Task Force. And it was the previous administration. Um, but when we got there, they said, we don't really care how you feel about this administration. We're here to do a job. Um, you know, we've asked you guys all to come here and figure out a roadmap to, to help vets to get the suicide uh, you know, number down. Um, and obviously firearms play a big role in that. That's it's one of the ways that vets usually take their own life, right? And that mm-hmm. totally makes sense because they have firearms, they're they're skilled with them. And uh, you know, obviously when you, you use a firearm to do something tragic, it's it's pretty final. Not many people can tell stories of coming back from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the most positive things about that uh, for your listeners to understand is uh, I was the only person from the firearms industry there, but what's awesome is I was there, <laughs> you know, they let somebody from the industry come into that circle. And uh, I got to give a little Ted talk speech. We all had to do that to introduce ourselves. And it was really cool because I got the opportunity to say in front of a bunch of people, the firearms industry could help with this number. We can help you, but you can't make us the villain anymore. And I thought that was really powerful. Um, and, you know, one of the cool things and about the, the situation was, after I got done talking, one of those highly decorated gentlemen like stood up and was like, you need to listen to that guy, listen to that guy. And he made, he went through this whole story about how, you know, he, when he first enlisted, they had handed him a firearm. They told him to name it. And, you know, they told him that it represented him and they had, and he's like, you had me go overseas and, and kill with it. You had me do your work with it. And, uh, you know, when, when it was all said and done and you sent me home, you had no, no use for me anymore. And then the first minute that I get go into crisis, you want to take away the one thing that you, you told me was family. You had me name and it represented me. And, and that was your answer. Take away his firearm because we, and it just was so powerful. He did that. And it was like, I paid him, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but it was great. It was a, a two day experience and I got to show them what we're doing. And I got to, at the, you know, I wish, I wish I could go back there now because it's walk talk America has grown so much since then. Um, but just the fact that I was able to tell them that, Hey, there are gun manufacturers that are putting mental health screening flyers in their boxes. Um, it blew away a lot of people. And I think like a lot of light bulbs went on for people to say like, yeah, maybe these guys aren't so bad anymore. Maybe they can help us with their valuable space, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, once you strip away the uh, politics, you know, we're 99% the same, you know, across the board. Right. And we just got to, you know, strip away the politics and realize, you know, are we there, you know, for the, for the people's mental health? Or are we there for pushing a specific political agenda and not worried about mental health? And I think hopefully most of us are there for people's mental health and such. Yeah, so. it's really, it, you know, it's funny because even when you take some people that are from maybe organizations that we would consider anti-gun, right? Um, you know, and sometimes these organizations like uh, Moms Demand Action, they don't believe they're actually anti-gun. Like in their their heads, like I I I run in the same circles, and sometimes like they'll try to relate to me. It's like, well, yeah, we have a lot of members that are, you know, gun owners, and um, I always have to say like, yeah, you know, what makes us all different though is like the legislation piece. Like you guys actually, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's why we'll never ever be on the same page. But you know, one thing that, like you said, when you strip it away, one thing we all are. And, and I believe this for the most part is even the most anti-gun person in that organization um, that is just volunteering, doesn't want to see people die or doesn't want to see people hurt. Right. And, and I always have to remind myself that it's like, okay, this person's talking to me and 
know, they believe that this band's going to help save lives, but the person just wants to save lives. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. they're a little misguided, but it's the same thing, like you said, right? Once you peel back the political piece, like throw that out, it's really about, you know, helping people with their mental health and, and saving their life. You yeah. know? Well, and anybody who's a realist knows that you can't save every single person, but if you start working, you know, if, if you can work in, in a concert with that person to save one person, two person, three person, before you know it, you've, you've saved a, a, you know, potential lot of people. And all we're talking about is mental health here, you know, getting people the resources they need in those crisis moments for them. And that's where it doesn't take a ton uh, to do it, but you just need to get some cooperation on uh, both sides of the issue. And we might not agree on the legislation. But at the same time, hopefully we can all agree on, you know, some some good ways of handling mental health, get, getting people evaluated, doing, doing those types of things. Yeah. I mean, we need to do it ourselves as the firearms community in the gun industry. Right. Um, you know, basically people sometimes look at me sideways, especially people in our community, uh, the 2A community that say, like, why is this guy focusing on the gun? Well, it's because I'm from the gun industry. Right. I, I'm not from the rope industry. I'm not from big pharma. So mm-hmm. like the way I look at it is uh, being, how can I use my connections to the gun industry to get us to get to where the alcohol industry got with DUIs. Right. I've said that before. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody blames Johnny Walker when somebody does something tragic, mm-hmm. you know, when they get behind the wheel drunk. And I, I really feel like the gun industry can get there. So I don't necessarily believe that, you know, walk the talk America can stop suicide. Right. And I'm not blaming the gun. What I'm saying is that's that's my life. That's what I know. That's the industry I'm from. And if we could give people, gun owners, our people, the opportunity to maybe right before they do something tragic with the firearm to maybe say like, okay, I'm going to look at this card and I'm going to take a mental health screening or I'm going to go to some of the resources on the back that it tells me to go to, then I think we should do that. Right. Um, Instead of having like this giant number of suicide by firearm weaponized against us. I think as the gun industry and as trainers and gun shops and manufacturers, I think we should show the world like we're on it. We're addressing these things. Um, you know, we need to be there first. So that's, that's why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's uh, really good. Cause helping to solve the problem, you know, we can sit here again, argue about, you know, politics, but we really want to solve problems um, right. and address, address them appropriately for it. what, what kind of research has been going, have you been doing in the, or has been going on in the mental health area in the, in the last uh, 18 months since we've, since we've talked last uh, research in terms of uh, looking at data. Yeah. Uh, well, suicide by firearms, still half um, of, of all firearm deaths. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that number still is a very big glaring number. Um, firearms death hasn't really changed that much, but I, I assume that suicide by firearm, uh, from what I understand is, is up. Right. And I assume those numbers are true because there's way more firearms out there because of civil unrest. Right. Uh, yep. Stress yeah. and everything that's going on with, you know, the, the pandemic and the economic, uh, positions and things like that, you know, yep. cause, so you, cause that. Yep. So you, you, and, and I know the number is. Uh, it's 66.5. So basically 67 people a day are taking their life with a firearm. Um, and, and, you know, that's a CDC number. Um, Hey, even if you don't believe in the CDC and you don't believe in their, their numbers, it doesn't matter. Then <laughs> the numbers are the numbers, right? So it's, it's one too many when, you know, when it comes to firearms death. So, um, you know, those are the numbers I focus on. 
it's really interesting because, um, you know, when you work with people in suicide prevention and mental health, they're very big on data. Data is like a huge thing. Right. And I think, I believe data is important. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that, you know, I always have to think about, especially because the screenings that we get out to the public through the firearms boxes and on the side of the ammunition companies, um, you know, Arms Corps now, I, that's all. We haven't talked about that. I haven't talked to you in a while. Arms Corps now has the mental health screening on the side of their. Oh, that's users. nice. Yeah. Um, that's free and anonymous, right? So these stories become mm-hmm. anecdotal, but if I had a dollar for every time someone has messaged me and said, I took a screening or I saw this on the box or I saw this, you know, this came with my gun. Thank you so much. It's changed my life. And, you know, so I always have to tell people, don't let data get in the way of saving a life. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to understand. You know, um, we might not be able to measure exactly how many people we've saved um, because I think, you know, especially as gun owners, we we don't necessarily come forward with all of our issues. We don't, once again, want it to be weaponized against us. But, um, you know, I, I think that's super important to keep in mind that, you know, I don't do this for data. You know, I do this because I've seen the effect it's had on, on many of our people. When I say our people as gun owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think as a gun community, if we sit back and think about or talk to other people we know in the gun community, you don't really have to go too far to find somebody who's committed suicide, you know, with a firearm. And that's where, you know, that's one out of, you know, hundred million people that own guns. Well, that's a very, 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 very small number, but from a data standpoint, that is somebody that you knew, and that hits home a lot more than going along and saying 2%, 5%, those types of things. It's one person. And that's where, I love the resources you have. And I'll admit after our last uh, conversation that we recorded, I actually went out there and took the mental health screening and you know, it it came back and told me I was fine, but still it was one of those things where it's like, I really want to see what it comes back. I mean, we, we all worry about it. You know, is it going to come back and say, Oh, you should go see a doctor, you know, kind of, you know, every, every time you take, you know, a lot of other screening that said, Hey, my, you know, I got foot pain. It comes back. Well, go see your doctor and tell them this stuff. Well, I actually took your screening and came back and said, okay, you know, you know, you're, you're good. You know, there's nothing worried about it right now, but if I had a situation, I might go and uh, do that screening again to see what it, what it would suggest at that time. And that's one of the things I thought was, uh, was after the last podcast and, Having a screening tool like that, it doesn't go along and report you or, you know, it's completely anonymous, but gives you resources, you know, call up this, you know, uh, crisis intervention line, those types of things that, that will help you. And that's right. what, that's what it's all about is it's the helping getting things out there. Um, I've had a lot of great, um, feedback from my students and the instructors I teach, giving them information, letting them know about it, because we all know mental health is a problem in the United States for but at the same time, not many of us know where there's mental health resources, you know, locally or or nationally. But if we can go along, give our uh, students the wristband where they can look at, you know, what what the URL, the website to go to, or we can give them a uh, printout. Guess what? They have now have resources that start multiplying as they go out and they touch other people because hopefully none of our students, none of our instructors that we're teaching would have a mental health crisis. But likelihood of them touching or being in touch with somebody who is having a mental health crisis, whether a gun owner or not, doesn't matter if they're having a mental health crisis, they can still use the walk talk America, you know, evaluation and get resources to them so they can pick up the phone and, uh, and get help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to me, um, so like, let's say nobody ever takes a screening, right. Or the majority of people don't that buy a gun. I, 
I still want them to think about it. Like, even if they pull that card out of the box and they just like mental health, like, you know, it's one of those things like as gun owners, um, you know, where I think things are changing, right. Where you have instructors like yourself who kind of bring it up during the course of the class. Um, but you know, there was a time when we just never talked about that stuff. Like suicide was taboo to talk about. So it's like, when it happens to everybody else, but me type of thing. Yeah. Right. And I think like, as long as we address it, we, you know, once again, I think what it does for our community and making us look good is like tackling it first, right? Like we're, we're addressing it. We're, we're putting the information out there. We're trying to get people like, think about, you know, like the Remington situation where the, the insurance companies just settled. Right. Um, mm-hmm. if, if Remington in their defense could have said like, we try everything possible to link people up with resources that are in crisis. Right. Like, you know, we do have the screening on the box of the, the ammunition and we have it in our firearms. And, uh, you know, that uh, I think that that shows the rest of the world and it would show a court of law like, hey, they're trying to do the right thing. Whether people take that information and actually use it, that's another thing. But at least, you know, like anything, um, you know, you grab alcohol, it, there's the warning labels on there. Let, let's just mm-hmm. have our own warning labels. Let's not let the government make, make us do it. Let's get our own, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was driving behind a Budweiser truck not too long ago and it has the drink responsible, you know, right on the back, back of the truck. So as you're, you know, sitting there at the traffic light, you're reading the back of the tr- back of the Budweiser truck and it says, you know, drink responsibly, which is just a simple reminder for 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 everybody who sees that truck about it same thing you see on labels and that's the same type of thing from a firearm uh industry perspective we want to remind people to you know be responsible and to go along and if they feel like they're in crisis you know get help yeah yeah absolutely it's it's long overdue um and and once again it's these things that when i when i go into these situations where I'm, i'm dealing with people that maybe lobby or write bills you know they the expectation level from the gun industry is so low that uh, I love sitting people down and showing them everything that Walk the Talk America has done in the last three years. And I love throwing it in their face. Like, honestly, I really do. I, I love I love it when someone goes, you got a ammo company to literally put a mental health screen on the side of the box. Like they're blown away by that because once again, they never expect it from us. They think it's all pride from my cold dead hands. I don't care what you say, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and in even the anti-gun organizations, they are not ready. You know, they're not ready to to hear that information because once again, they're they're very confident going into whatever argument or discussion that I have with them, thinking this guy's probably going to default to pry from my cold dead hands. He's not going to offer solutions, and their only solution is legislation that won't work. Right. So I Mm -hmm. think if we do this, I think it gives us the upper hand in any of the situations we come up in. Yep. Well, the one one thing I like about it too is, you know, you've got gun owners that have mental health problems and you got the regular public with mental health problems. And that could be, you know, one of your kids, that could be one of your siblings, could be, could be your parents or friends. And again, getting the word out there more, you know, Walk Talk America doesn't necessarily, you know, focus on guns, you know, from on the screening perspective. And that, and that I think is a great resource that, you know, I've given the, given the, uh, the screening to other people to go along and say, you know, go take this, you know, I mean, you're feeling anxious, you're doing things like just take it and, and see what resources it has, because there, again, I'm not a mental health professional, but it gives you resources. And that's one of those things that in today's society, we're missing 
when it comes to mental health more than anything else like that is, you know, where do you turn to go along and find somebody that you can talk to about the problems that you have? Yeah. Resources and how to mitigate some of those issues you might be having. Like my daughter thought she had anxiety and I've told, I think I've told this story on your show before, but you know, after she took the screening, she was able to read some of the exercises and things that she could do if she felt like a mild anxiety attack was coming on. It's like little things like that, you know, um, it's just important. It's, and then, like you said, it, you know, that's where it doesn't matter if it's, if you're a gun person or not, right? Like that's the same world we, we live in. The person who has mild anxiety or high anxiety is with a gun is the exact same person that doesn't own a gun that has exactly, you know, that, that's the Island you can meet on. So I think it, it relates to everybody, but that's one of the reasons why I love Mental Health America, is because, um, you know, they didn't they didn't blame the gun, and they did came out and put it in a statement, right? Like for those that are hearing this for the first time, you know, when I first started the organization, I I knew I needed to find a mental health organization. I didn't even know if it existed that would not blame the gun or at least be gun neutral. And when I found position paper 72 from mental health America, they flat out said like, this is not going to be a popular opinion amongst our peers, but we do not believe that taking away firearms to those that battle mental illness is the right thing to do. So we're going to stay gun neutral. And that, you know, that was the day I said, I need, I need these people. Like I need to work with these people. And that's why I love the screening because it doesn't really ask you about anything about firearms, you know, like those creepy questions that might freak yeah. you out. How many guns do you have at house? Uh, right. have, have at home and everything like that. Yeah. They don't, they don't ask that, but they do ask you, you know, how, you know, how do you feel anxiety? Do you want to hurt yourself? You know, those types of things where again, you know, I'll recommend to the instructors that are out there, uh, go along, Take the evaluation yourself, see some of the questions so that you can talk knowledgeably about it to your students and recommend that they, you know, keep the resource handy. So if their friend, their family member, somebody, you know, starts having that, having, you know, a panic attack, anxiety, whatever it is, they can look at it and learn something, you know, similar to what you said, uh, Mike, about your daughter or go along and seek some, you know, external help about, you know, about getting better balanced and, you know, understanding what's, what what all goes into, you know, proper mental health. Right. Absolutely. So Mike, here's a, here's another thing that I've seen you uh, get involved with, which uh, people may or may not be surprised, but you've been getting into some political endorsements lately, haven't you? Yeah. And, and I tried to avoid that. It was one of the things most that, of us tried to Yeah, <laughs> no win no. situation there. Yeah. That was my big normally, thing. Like, normally. Yeah. Like when WTTA first came out, like I was, I literally was, I said to everybody, we don't want to deal with legislation, you know, period. And I never thought, well, what if there's positive legislation, <laughs> right? And uh, um, I've been real fortunate lately. And I think uh, it, this is another direction that the organization will probably have to take. But, um, you yeah, I'm getting invited to lobby and, and, and kind of work on bills that are positive, that, that have positive effects for gun owners, right? That's the best way to describe it. So like, for example, in California right now, I'm working on a bill with a couple of Democrats actually that are gun owners, uh, surprisingly, right? Like they, people generally don't think that, but they, they exist, right? Like, mm -hmm. they're, they're, um, and uh, one of them is really cool. One of them is to get, one, to get uh, sales tax removed from all safe sales. Right to encourage people to store responsibly. Right, I like to use the mm -hmm. word responsible storage. Right, because even if you 
basically are an expert with a firearm, but you have kids in the house, right? The best thing to do is is have it stored responsibly uh, where only you can get to it and you train yourself how to get to it. So I love the idea that if we can move more safes with firearm purchases by making it cheaper for those that maybe don't have that uh, extra money, maybe it's the single mom who works three jobs, but just saved enough money to get a Ruger, um, but doesn't have the extra money to get the safe. Like let's, let's open the door for a possibility there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, that's one of the things I'm working on. And then uh, an offshoot of working on that bill uh, just came randomly when I was talking to one of the gentlemen about transfer laws, right? I was talking about the importance of safes because sometimes you can't go to your friend's house or a family member's house. And if they're in crisis, say, hey, let me take your gun um, and leave the house with it to make sure that they get the help they need and the firearm is inaccessible, like that could be a felony in many states and a, a crime, right? We don't want to mm-hmm. turn innocent people that are doing the right things into criminals. And uh, having that conversation with this gentleman, he goes, well, what if we wrote something into the bill that had a good Samaritan clause? And I was like, perfect. Like that, <laughs> that that's another thing that makes sense. Like um, I'd like to do away with the transfer law altogether, but you know, uh, I think a lot of these laws are here to stay, but if we can make them better for gun owners, uh, I think that's the first start at chipping away at, at some of the silly legislation that's been mm-hmm. already passed down. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of laws that, you know, as gun owners, we're not maybe real happy with, but at least it's go along and tr- try to uh, reduce their impact um, on, you know, situations like this, because, you know, like you said, you go, you know, take, take your friend's gun from, you know, who's over in California there. And all of a sudden you've committed a felony for it to try to, you know, help save their, save their life because you're separating them from the gun. And, you know, you're putting your whole livelihood, you know, your career, your family on the line because you're committing a felony. Now, of course, nobody finds out about it, no harm, no foul. But on the flip side, if you're driving down the street or somebody comes to your house and, um, you know, they find out it's not your gun, then all of a sudden you could be in big trouble. And that's where just having, you know, simple clauses like this allows you to go along and, um, you know, help somebody without getting, um, getting nailed for it. You know, I think about the good Samaritan law that we have when, you know, when it comes to first aid and providing people, um, you know, on the side of the road that you may not know, you know, as long as you're within your scope of your, your training, you're, you're allowed to go along and help that person. And, you know, that's helped out quite a bit because, you know, CPR mouth to mouth, um, you know, just, you know, basic uh, wound, um, treatment, you know, people were afraid to do to help people 20 years ago. And now it's universal across all 50 States. That good Samaritan law. And hopefully we can maybe uh, get California passed and then have something from California that we all want to see passed across the nation to go along and say that, you know, you, you can transfer a gun from a good Samaritan standpoint. Yeah. One of the things that, and for people that are listening to this, like one of the things that I'm, I'm starting to understand is a lot of these laws are written. And I think, for the most part, I think people go to the worst case scenario, like the lawmaker, whoever writes the bill is thinking about the worst case scenario in the firearm. Like nobody wants me to be able to hand my gun to a friend who's angry at his girlfriend, right? Like, like, like they go to that worst case scenario mm-hmm. and many times they never think about the consequence that they made with this bill. Right. So I think like, you know, this is why it's important to talk to everybody, even people that are anti-gun, like, because you need to make them understand. Like when I was having this conversation with this gentleman who is a Democrat, um, you know, he, he literally was blown away. Like I, he had never thought about, Oh yeah. What if, 
What if you need to give your gun to somebody (laughs) to stop you from doing something horrific to yourself, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And you can see it in his face. Right. And and that's the thing. That's why it's always so important. Even if you don't want to be in that conversation is a habit with somebody um, and talk to people, you know, because sometimes they don't, they, they never think about that aspect. They just go to worst case scenario. Cause what does the media always do? Show you the worst case scenario. Yeah. They talk about number of deaths. We talk about murders, all those kind of things. You know, you know, we argue it all the time, you know, how many lives do guns save, save a year? And, you know, that's one of those things that it's hard to get hard data on it, but you know, they can very easily tell us the number of murders every year. And that's, you know, just the way the media works overall. Yeah. It's uh it's awful. It's, I mean, you know, but the media is never going to change. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the proof is the 67 people a day that take their life by firearm, you know, uh, they don't talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. Imagine if they ran those names like they did with, remember in COVID when there was a counter at the bottom of the screen, like mm-hmm. how many people today is that, you know, uh, it, it would get attention, but that's the thing is like, what they feed you is what's going to emotionally make you upset. And, and that's a problem. Right. And, you know, I have many friends that I would consider anti-gun. They just hate guns. Like I'm never going to change their mind. Like mm-hmm. they don't want anything to do with guns. They don't have a problem that I have them, but like, you know, we get this thing where sometimes we get into these conversations and I could tell they've been watching the news. <laughs> right. And then I bring them back. Cause I'm like 67 people a day die by suicide by firearm. And they're like, it's that high. And then we whip out the CDC numbers and then I show them and they're like, Oh my God, like, why isn't this a bigger deal? And it's, mm-hmm. Cause it doesn't sell ad space. Well, and, you, and think about what would happen if they went along and it's like, and you know, they took the first 10 minutes of newscast every night, like they do with COVID right now. And they go along and say, you know, we, you know, we had 67 people or we only had 60 people uh, today that, you know, committed suicide by firearm. And those other seven didn't because of th- what this one person did or what this one group's doing, you know, similar to what you flip all the other stories. Then when they talk about the COVID and different things like that, and um, you, you put it in a positive light so that, you know, you start chipping away at the, that 67 number people realize what they can do, you know, just, you know, COVID or when it gets cold and those uh, upper uh, states, Northern states and everything, you know, check on your neighbors, do things like that. Well, that's the same type of thing you could do from a mental health perspective that, you know, if you think somebody's having a, you know, a bad time about it, you know, recent death in the family or divorce, financial problems, go check on them, you know, see what their mental state is, different things like that, you know, and again, just giving them a resource uh, can, you know, can make a difference for them. You'll never know. You know, if you, if you save their life for sure, but at the same time, you can definitely make a difference because that person probably a week later will probably open up to you a lot more and tell you just how dark of a time they were in when you suggested to them, or, you know, you took them someplace doing, just doing the little things, little things. It's all it takes. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And I think it feels good to, you know, finally get our people talking about it. Right. Because we, we, we've been bottled up so long you know, with the fear of it being weaponized against us and, and the rhetoric and, uh, and in many cases, those those were probably ra- irrational fears. I mean, for years, I mean, I mean, even before I was in this, you know, Walk Talk America deal, I remember people opening up to me saying, like, I went to see a doctor and they asked if I had a gun. I completely lied to him. You know, it's like general conversation. And I think, like, we need to take it back. You know, I think, I think we deserve the right to be able to say like, yeah, I don't have, I have good days and bad days. And like, I need help and I need resources. 
and taking my firearm. No, you're not going to do that. And I think this is the perfect time for this movement to kind of come through our community, uh, especially since we've lost so many people that we hold near and dear, which is first responders and vets and, and active duty military. Right. And mm-hmm. that number, that number is growing. Um, you know, I didn't realize like how many ER doctors do it, how many, you know what I mean? Like uh, it, it, it's, you know, everybody can relate to this, but I think it, it's, it's to this point now where we need to go and we need to seize these, these moments as the gun industry and the gun community, like the term end violence and gun violence. Like why does the anti-gun side have a monopoly on that? Like we don't, we want to end gun violence too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and, and I think like this is the first step of us saying like, you know, we're not going to let you use that phrase against us. We want to end it too. You know, we don't, we hate negative outcomes with firearms as well. You know, it's, it's us. So, you mm-hmm. know, now's the yeah. time. Yeah. Well, and it's getting people into those resources and, and make those resources known to people. So that's great. Well, Michael, we've got the question we've been asking everybody, uh, all our guests this season. Can you name an influential mentor that has influenced where you are today? Yeah, I have one in mind, um, but then I'm going to kind of elaborate on how that that's worked my whole life, right? Uh, my my grandfather, he's no longer with us. Um, he's the one who originally got me into the firearms industry through nepotism, right? I mm-hmm. went to work for the family business, which, you know, um, he was in a, a, a an immigrant that came here when he was three from Italy, um, and he was a very fair man, and he always played it straight with you. You knew where you stood with him. And, and, you know, I miss him. I wish I could talk to him. You know, you, you, that always happens to a lot of people when they're gone, but he, he had such a positive influence on me and in, in everything, even the way I treated women. Right. Um, I, I just can't be thankful enough to have that person that, that was in my life. Cause I, I took the principles that he had the old school, like Italian principles that he had. And, and I applied them to everything in life and, and him bringing me into the firearms industry was, even though I fought it, cause I just didn't want to go, you know, I didn't want to go work for family. Um, but him pretty much forcing me to like was the greatest gift. Cause here I am now. So that one, but one of the things that I will say that I've done my whole life, you say like who influences you? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I literally hear things from friends or strangers. I'm like a quote collector and, and really, um, you know, I, somebody, it could be just a friend of mine could say something super powerful and it always stick with me and I apply it, uh, to my life. So, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying to the people that are listening is never underestimate what you say to people right? Because it, it could be life-changing to them, even though you think it's silly. Because there have been times like with these certain people that have said something, like I've opened up to them and said, like, when I saw the way that you handled that situation with your kid, like it influenced me to do that as a dad, right? Mm-hmm. To be that way. So I think uh, I think people need to understand that the, the power of their words as well. Yep. Words and action uh, weigh heavy on the people around you, as well as your kids and such. I mean, you know, we talk about young kids, uh, today and everything else like that. And, you know, if they had better mentors, you know, adults that were around them, maybe we wouldn't have as many problems with the kids. Yeah. You know, I know it's simplifying it, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of, uh, adults that probably should be acting like adults more so than, you know, selfish little kids too. And then the kids w- wouldn't be so, uh, so, uh, so bad in their behavior also. 
Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with that. It's tough nowadays. You know, things are so much different um, with social media and, and the the way kids are. I I see it in my own kids. Right, I have two daughters. Um, school's not the same as it was for us. You know, mm-hmm. uh, everything is just you know on on such a you're you're in, you're basically under a microscope all day long, right? Because even kids that get bullied, they don't go like when we got bullied as kids. Like we went home and we whatever, we we're in our safe space and we could play video games or play mm-hmm. sports with our neighbor kid and friends. Now with social media and everything like that, it's a completely different story. Yep. Whole identity is tied up with it. And that's where, yeah. you know, one of the best things we can do for our kids is to, you know, train or teach them, you know, that social media does not make, make you what you are and, and you still got to live a good life. And sometimes yeah. getting away from social media is probably the best uh, mental health uh, break that you could, you could need. Yeah. I do it every once in a while too. Um, and I, I definitely try to cut my time down on social media, you know, and, I, and here I am a 46 year old man. So, uh, you know, it's just negative, you know, Nate, you get caught up in a negative feedback loop sometimes of, of social media. I, all what I'll say about social media, is sometimes I go along and look at it and it's like, what would your grandmother say if she saw you writing that on social media? And some people say, my grandma will be right there with, with you. I'm like, yeah, not my grandma. My grandma would be like, why would you ever hang your laundry out like that? And it's, yeah. it's, it's just where social media is and probably, probably won't get, it won't get better from that standpoint. If, if anything, it'll get worse. And that's where, you know, limiting your time is probably really good mental health. Yeah. I have a guy that uh, he, I brought him on the advisory board of walk talk America. His name's Jay hood. He is a young, great. He's great. Right. Um, he doesn't have social media. It, <laughs> and he, he, he's in his early thirties. Wow. And it's, yeah. And it's really funny because um, I, I forget how many times like I reference a post that we did or something like that. And then I have to remember, there's no way he saw it. You know what I mean? Um mm-hmm. But there are times when, like, I, I brought him to SHOT Show and we were taking meetings with manufacturers. And it was funny because I'd look at him and I'm like, he he totally is comfortable with not having social media. Like, <laughs> and he's like a unicorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. And he's literally talking to these manufacturers about the social media campaigns and pushes that he wants us, you know, to to do together. So it's like, he, he speaks the language and he understands it, but he, he refuses to have one for himself, which I think is just brilliant. <laughs> it probably works out very well for his mental health. Let's put it that does. <laughs> very well. <laughs> well, Hey, Michael, where can instructors find more information about you? Um, where they can, they go along and get additional information uh, from walk talk America and any other resource links you want to give to our instructors here for the show notes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, walktalkamerica.org or wtta.org make it simple uh, that's our website we actually have like instructor uh, slides under our resources page um, if you uh, teach a class or you just you don't even have to teach a class you're just teaching somebody right and you just want to incorporate something about suicide prevention and mental health from a firearms uh, you know two-way culture standpoint you can go on there and get those slides um, you also could print out cards um, hey listen uh, you know We've been very fortunate. People like Ruger and Arms Corps stepped up financially. So we're sending more packages out to people. Like if you are a firearms instructor and you're interested in in having our card and um, our our wristbands, you know, the the WTTA wristbands that lead to uh, the, the mental health screenings, 
just contact us uh, through the website or through our social media at Walk the Talk US. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and just say, hey, I heard you on the show. And you said that you'd send out some cards and some bands and we will ship them to you. That's one of our programs now that we've really kicked off. Um, you know, like I said, because now we're starting to get some support from the manufacturers and stuff that they can mm-hmm. pay for shipping and all the material and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, any of those places, uh, we're real friendly. And, and you know, if you're serious about it, then we'll send it to you for free. Mm-hmm. So. And as I said before, you know, taking that 10 minutes in your class to talk about it, to hand out wristbands, handing out the uh, cards about it, you know, hopefully you won't have students that'll be in crisis. But on the flip side of it, if they know where the resources are, it might help them. It may help a family member or a friend of theirs to get the resources before, you know, they do something tragic. And, you know, that, that's where, you know, what I love about Walk Talk America is it's a proactive uh, response to things. And if we get more people knowing what the resources are out there, hopefully we can do something to uh, chip away at, at 67, you know, suicide deaths a day, you know, by guns. Yeah, I love it. And uh, once again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate yeah. you. Getting, uh, well, well, thank you for coming on again, Michael. And I'm sure with the momentum you got built that we'll probably have you on again in about a year to talk about, um, who knows, maybe we'll be talking at the UN next. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. That's, I mean, that's it's really, good. really growing. So. <laughs> okay. Well, have a good one, Michael. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. That's a wrap for this episode. And let's announce this week's podcast prize winner. This week's winner is Ken W. They want to pack a nine millimeter dummy ammo. Ken, keep your eyes open for an email from concealedcarry.com. Next week's prize giveaway is a draw like a pro course. Remember, entries do not carry over from week to week. So visit podcast.concealedcarry.com. Enter in for this week's prize giveaway. Visit our sponsors, especially the Fire Trainers Association, and check out their instructor insurance. Being a certified instructor was the first step in your training, and the next step should be becoming an FTA member for their insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Join us at the Guardian Conference on September 16th to the 18th in Oklahoma City. Training with world-class instructors during a three-day conference on a variety of topics, from improving firearm accuracy, trauma medicine, to unarmed self-defense. Get your tickets now for early bird pricing. Subscribe to our podcast and also share it with your friends on social media. You can also search all our podcast topics at our website, firearmtrainerpodcast.com. Do you have a suggestion for a new topic, comments on this episode, or someone you'd like us to have on as a guest? Email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. We're bringing this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, Every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.